Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 75 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, February 13th, 2020. Valentine's Day is tomorrow, kids. Make sure you got everything covered. I'm just going to say it. Don't screw it up. Now, interestingly enough, this is episode 300 Unless something else gets posted before this does, we're in the 300s now of total episodes done of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And I just wanted to highlight, look, we're still going strong here. We've got our new show, Deep Down the Middle, with Brian Phillips and Ryan Kiernan. They're doing great stuff covering the Patriots. The guys from Pat's Pulpit, they are back. They dropped an episode yesterday on Wednesday. We're on to the 2020 draft. The guys of Patriot Nation, uh, Pat and Spags, they're st- still doing stuff. We got stuff coming to you. Every single day, each week. Um, so please do check it out, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Always like to get some, you know, some comments, some reviews. Always good stuff to hear from you. I like reading the good reviews and the bad reviews. I know I read a bad review recently, but we've got good reviews all the time as well. But please send some in. Um, it's always great to get feedback on the shows. We always like getting the feedback from you. Um, so please do that. Send some reviews, Apple Podcasts, wherever you review your podcasts. What are we going to do today? We're going to do a couple of different things. A little bit later, I'm going to talk about two quarterbacks. Both of them name of Jake. Jake Fromm, Jake Lutton from Oregon State, my new draft crush. But first, I, I sort of wanted to start, we're going to do some, a, a couple of different things here in the first part of the show. And I want to start with football Twitter. And those of you who listen to the show probably know that Matt Waldman and I do a podcast every other week or so on the RSP cast. We do a show together and... And the show we did for Wednesday, we talked a lot about football Twitter. And, you know, Twitter, it can be a great thing. It can be a power for good. It can also kind of be bad at times. But football Twitter can be a tremendous resource. And one of the things that we talked about were was the different kind of characters you see in football Twitter, whether it's the beat writer or the fantasy analyst or the X's and O's guy, um, you know, the small screw, small school guys. Um, and I said guys, but men and women, obviously. And I thought it would be beneficial sort of at the start here to talk about some sort of great resources that you can find along the way and the idea of weight. And what I mean by weight is this. You know, back when I was sort of working as a lawyer and trying cases, you know, when I would put a case on, you know, a jury trial or a bench trial or whatever, you know, you have stuff that you want to get into evidence, you know, medical records or payroll records or, you know, business records, police reports, whatever. You have testimony you want to get into evidence, whether it's, you know, the person that was injured or the police officer that responded to the accident or people that treated the person or, you know, people that knew the person and knew how the accident impacted him or her, things like that. Sometimes expert testimony, whether it's doctors or economists, you know, to testify about how much income the person lost or the injuries that they suffered and what they went through and things like that. But at the end of the day, all of that evidence, those different pieces of evidence, whether it's testimonial evidence or documentary evidence or what have you, 
It was up to the trier of fact, whether the judge or the jury, whether it's a bench trial or jury trial, to give it weight. How important are these bits of pieces of evidence? What's going to matter more? In a, a case where somebody was injured, what's going to matter more to you? The, the testifying doctor, the, the treating doctor that treated the person from the day they were injured all the way through, or the hired gun by the defense attorney who saw the, the plaintiff once and says, oh, yeah, well, he says that he can't do X, Y, and Z, but he really can't. Like, what are you going to give more weight to? And I think that's sort of how I want to start with the idea of football Twitter. You know, I'm somebody that probably follows more people on Twitter than most. But I scan through and try to read it all. I try to see everybody's point of view on things. And then it's the idea of giving them weight, giving it weight. You know, if I see somebody have an opinion on a player and I see somebody have a different opinion, you know, I take both points of view and then, you know, weigh it accordingly when I'm sort of thinking about things. Some people, you know, might have a more analytic approach. Some people might have a more schematic or X's and O's approach. And I weigh that as well. You know, we're talking about a sport. We're talking about an industry where... There's a lot of gray areas. Not everything's black and white. And every sort of opinion that you can come across is valid, but then it's an idea of giving it weight. You know, how much consideration are you going to give to one opinion versus another? And so in the discussion that Matt and I were having, like I I talked about that and I wanted to sort of highlight that here as well because recently in the Scotia Slack channel, Andy Likens, fantastic, fantastic football mind. He's starting his own show, his own, he's doing his own thing too. Um, so definitely follow him on Twitter. Um, you can follow Andy. He is at A-L-Y-K-I-N-S 32. But he asked in the Scotia Slack channel, we were having a discussion about, in, in the mock draft channel, about offensive line evaluation. He asked me what some resources I use to sort of get better at offensive line evaluation. And I opened it up to Twitter. And there were a lot of recommendations, Duke Mannyweather to follow, Brandon Thorne to follow, um, Kyle Murphy, Owen Reese. You can go to my Twitter page and find the recommendations. And that's a great example of how Twitter can be a very useful resource because there are members of Twitter that we can call offensive line Twitter, like Duke Mannyweather, like Jeff Schwartz, like Owen Reese, like Brandon Thorne, like Kyle Murphy, that break stuff down and you will learn from them. Now, every subsection of football Twitter can get defensive at times. Let's just put it out there. X's and O's Twitter can get defensive. Numbers Twitter can get defensive. And OL Twitter is no different. But you can follow guys like Brandon and Owen and Duke and Jeff and learn a ton about offensive line play. And as somebody that doesn't know a ton about offensive line play, those guys have been huge resources for me. You know, just as past Senior Bowl, I was in Owen's, Owen Reese's DMs, like left and right, like watching one-on-ones and being like, okay, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? You will find that people, and it's not just, you know, offensive line Twitter, but many sections of Twitter, 
they will be happy to help you learn things. You know, one of the underlying currents of every faction of football Twitter is the idea that they want more people to see the way, see the game the way they do. And so they're excited when people want to learn that. You know, Numbers Twitter is excited when people want to learn R. You know, when I put together some studies using R this past offseason, guys like Ben Baldwin, and they were excited to see it. You know, so you know, football Twitter can be a resource for learning the game. And offensive line Twitter is a great example of that. Another thing that Matt and I talked about, and I, do, I wanted to touch on it here, and I know this is supposed to be a Patriots podcast, and we're not even focusing on the Patriots today. This is what we do on this show, kids. But the combine. We're getting up to the combine, which, knock on wood, I would be boots on the ground for. And Matt and I talked about the idea of pre- and post-combine rankings at different positions. And it sort of came up in the, the context of it being sort of one of my pet peeves. In the sense that it sometimes leaves me scratching my head when people wildly change rankings on players after the combine. Because after all, what is the combine? You know, how, how beneficial is it to your evaluation process? And Matt then outlined sort of his process. And it was somewhat of a foot in the mouth moment for me because he, what he highlighted made a ton of sense to me. And the way Matt described things is thus. He used the example of the running back position. He said, sometimes there are players that I'm not sure of, that I'm on the fence over. And if they come out of the combine and either do, uh, perform extremely well or don't perform well at all in certain tests, then that puts me back to the film. I go back to the film to sort of refocus what I'm looking at and what I'm looking for. And that made a ton of sense to me. That made a great deal of sense to me. And it gets you back to the idea of weight and how much weight you're going to give different bits of data you come across as you do your own evaluations, as I know most of you listening to are. You know, you're watching these guys, you're doing your own rankings at different positions, and that's awesome. Because if you're doing it in sort of the way that Matt does it, it's the combine is yet another data point that sends you back to the underlying bit of research, which is the film. And so say you see a wide receiver and you're worried about his speed. You don't think he can separate. And then he comes to the combine and runs a 4-3-1. Then you go back to the film. Have I missed something? And maybe it's just track speed and... You see the speed and it shows up when he's running a nine route, but anything else that has a change of direction component to it, he can't separate. And maybe it just sort of solidifies your thoughts on the guy. And maybe you get into a little bit of a scheme fit discussion where, okay, he can run the nine route so we can do some vertical stuff. He'd be a great fit in a Coriel type of offense. But if you're dropping him into a West Coast system that relies a lot on short area quickness, maybe he's not the guy for you. And so as we get into combine and then post-combine season, I know all of you or most of you are doing your own study, doing your own evaluations, doing your own grading on guys. I'd highly recommend using the Waldman approach of 
letting the combine guide you back to the film. And so when you see guys run, when you see guys jump, when you see guys bench, when you see guys leap, learn from it, but then sort of take it back to the film, take it back to the underlying research, and then apply what you've learned. And you'll have a much fuller picture of these prospects when you're done. And so I just sort of wanted to touch on a couple of different things. Up next, we're going to talk about the two Jakes, Jake Lutton, Jake Fromm. That's ahead on episode 75, the Diamond Anniversary Show, here at the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back here on episode 75 of the Sco Show. And I know we were going to have Brad Kelly on this week. He had some things come up. Um, so we're going to circle back with Brad at some point here, pre-draft. Don't know if that will happen pre-combine or not. Speaking of the combine, as I said, look, just waiting on the creds. But once those gets, get approved, I'm all booked for Indy um, Monday through Thursday. Um, so I'm going to be doing some shows, getting some audio and good things like that from Indianapolis. Should be a, a good, fun event. Um, no, I'm going to get a chance, hopefully, to catch up with some Pat's Beat writers. I know Evan Lazar, for example, is going to be out in Indy. Hope to link up with him at some point and some of the usual suspects that you know and love. Well, let's talk about the two Jakes for a second here. And I had highlighted Jake from briefly in a previous episode, and I did sort of want to start there. You know, and speaking of Andy Likens, he posed a question in the Scotia Slack channel. Basically, what am I supposed to do with a quarterback that has great talent around him, but I still walk away with more questions than answers? And he didn't name anybody, but people immediately jumped in and said, that's Jake Fromm, right? And it is. And that is something that you sort of have to grapple with. But in spending some more time this week studying Jake Fromm, I am still adamant in my belief that maybe not the league writ large, but a handful, if not more, of NFL teams are going to love this kid. Because what they're going to see when they sit down and study Jake Fromm is they're going to see a guy that can do some of the stuff the NFL likes to see, the under center, the play action passing with the back to the defense, working through full field reads, sideline to sideline, or high to low, pretty quickly. And generally, I say generally, making the right decision with the football. And when you study Jake Fromm, when you see him sort of at his best, you can see a quarterback that makes the right decision with the football, puts it where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, can make throws with timing, with rhythm, with anticipation, with good ball placement, seems to put his receivers in a position to be successful after the catch, and generally does the things that we often associate with an NFL quarterback doing. But that's when things are at its best. When things break down in the pocket, when he gets pressured, that's when things fall apart. I've mentioned before that I, I try to study multiple games and I try to get a look at some of their worst games. That game against South Carolina was a bad game. Obviously, they lost that game in overtime, but they shouldn't have been in that situation. They missed opportunities. He threw a disastrous pick six when he got pressured off the edge right in front of his face from the right side. And I don't know if he was trying to make a throw or trying to throw it away. But whatever he did, 
it was a big time mistake because he didn't get the ball anywhere close to his target. Receiver steps in front of it on a deep comeback route, and it's a pick six right before halftime, basically. So you send your opponents into the locker room with a ton of momentum. And so, you know, Fromm's going to be that sort of example of, you know, high floor. I do think he has a high floor, but I wonder if he's maxed out already as a quarterback. There are going to be questions about the arm strength. It's it's not an overpowering arm. He does need to make throws with time and with anticipation. You can see some NFL throws, some deep outs and things like that, but there is going to be a bit of an arc to it. He's, he's going to rely on a bit of a touch. He's going to rely on a bit of you know, putting the ball out there, and he's going to have to make these throws with time and with anticipation, particularly when he gets to the National Football League. Another thing to keep in mind with Fromm is a contextual element. If you look sort of at his game log, you might see his bowl game against Baylor, the Sugar Bowl. He put up really good numbers in that game. Had a fantastic completion percentage in that game as well. And you might be thinking, hey, this is good stuff. You know, you look at the numbers, 20 of 30 for 250. So 66.7% completion rating, which was one of his highest of the season. You see the two touchdowns, no interceptions, a QBR of 86, which was one of his higher of the seasons. And you might think, look, this is nice. And you study that game. And you see that a large number of his completions of those 20 were hitch routes against off coverage. Baylor would show press and then bail, or they would just line up in off coverage. And you got to wonder, okay, that's nice. How much is that going to happen in the National Football League? And, and so Fromm's in an interest in evaluation. And I'm going to transition now to Jake Lutton with a question. And this gets into the idea of draft capital and drafted for floor or upside. Because I've only really started with Jake. I'm two games in. I've got at least three or four more that I want to watch. I really like what I see from the kid from Oregon State. And it's easy to get sucked in by the arm talent. The kid has a cannon. He throws with a violent torque in his upper body. But what's keeping me there is the processing speed, the play speed, the timing, the rhythm, and the anticipation. Like he had a throw, I already tweeted out this video of him reading a, a smash concept against too high cover two, and he's throwing the corner route, and it's the right read. He sees the corner squat, but he's throwing it with anticipation. Like I mentioned these hitch routes, these stop routes from Jake Fromm. He's throwing them against press man coverage, much tighter windows, and he's throwing them with not only anticipation, but incredible placement where he's putting the ball out to the boundary or to the inside, depending on the leverage of the defender. He threw a one of those post-stop routes where it looks like the guy's running the post, but then it just sort of stops. He threw one against Arizona, and he leads the receiver back towards the sideline. Because he sees the man coverage defender overplaying the route to the middle of the field. And so he throws him open. He creates space by placing the ball 
on the opposite shoulder away from the leverage defender. He had a throw against Arizona, a touchdown, where they ran switch verticals. He had a tremendous two-minute drill drive. They started at their own eight with, I think, a minute to go in the half, and they punched it in for a touchdown. He had some good throws on that drive, and the touchdown was a great example of it. And it's a great example of something Matt and I also talked about on the latest RSP cast. Matt asked the question, what are some like clips you sometimes see on Twitter that you think don't really highlight something good about a player or it's you know, being made up to be more than it really is. And I mentioned the moments where you see a quarterback freeze a free safety in the middle of the field and then throw a nine route along the sideline. It's like, that looks good, but the free safety is not breaking on that route. So yeah, it's nice that he can hold him in the middle of the field, but it's not really something great. And I'm guilty of doing that more as much as anybody else, if not more. But this is a different example because they run a switch verticals concept to the right with a cover two safety who's trying to split the difference. And he freezes on that inside seam route, stares it down. You see the safety start to creep over to that. And then he throws the outside vertical route for a touchdown. This isn't a guy in the middle of the field breaking to the boundary. This is a guy trying to split those two routes. And he uses his eyes to freeze him. So I'm not done with Jake Lund. I'm not done yet. Now he's only thrown three picks. So I might have to go back into last year to find some some moments where he really struggles to get a sense of the lows to go with the highs. He's a guy that went 28 touchdowns, three picks. But I mentioned that we're going to frame the discussion this way in terms of draft capital. Jake Fromm in the third or Jake Lutton in the sixth? That's sort of the thing that I'm grappling around, kicking around in the old noggin right now. Because Fromm probably gets drafted earlier than Jake Lutton. And now maybe combined things change. But I'd say sitting here right now, maybe I'm wrong, but I, th- I think Fromm comes off the board first. But which would you rather? Benjamin Solak over at the Draft Network sometimes writes these pieces. Would you rather where he puts a question to you like this. From in the third or Lutton in the sixth? I think I'd take Lutton in the sixth. And it gets to the idea of floor versus upside. Because while I really have yet to see Lutton struggle, I do, I do see some ball placement issues at times. I'm very intrigued by the upside potential here. I think there's a situation where this kid can become a great quarterback in the National Football League. And so that's just something that I've been wrestling with the past couple of days. I think the kid can play. I'm excited about seeing more of him. I want to see him make some mistakes to see how, first of all, how the mistakes come out and then how they come about and then how he reacts to them. But I've been very impressed with what I've seen. And for those of you that are going to be doing some quarterback work, I'd love to know your thoughts on this kid because... I'm very excited about the potential here. Now, maybe I'm going to dig deeper and see some mistakes and see some more stuff that I don't like. But sitting here right now, a couple of games in, I'm I'm not I'm not going to fall for him like I did Brett Rippon last year. But those feelings are swirling again, kids. They're swirling again. That will do it for today. I will be back next Monday with Mock Draft Monday 3.0. We will have trades and stuff in the next installment, so it's going to be a little bit different. But get your mocks in. I love getting your mocks in. I know people have already sent some in uh, from the Scotia Slack channel, but send in more. 
Again, if you want to be a part of the Scotia Slack channel, hit me up on Twitter at Mark Schofield for an invite or mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. If you just heard that, that is my stomach. It has been rumbling because I'm recording this now. It's 3 o'clock on the East Coast. I've been doing film study, the gym, a podcast with Waltman, done this show. Now I need to eat lunch. I'm just saying, when it comes to be beach season, I'm wondering why I still got the little dad belly, the dad bod. You got to eat the meals at the right times, kids. I'm just saying. That will do it for today. I will be back Monday. Until then, friends, keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.